Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. We all want these three things. We all want health and wealth and wisdom. We all want just a little bit more health to be a little bit healthier today than we were last week or last month so we can enjoy life. We certainly all want wealth. We want to have enough material possessions to be able to do what we can do without struggling. And we want to be wise. We want to be able to make good decisions for ourselves and good decision for others. It's why there are so many self-help books published on the regular, right, where people are saying as experts, hey, here's how you can find health and wealth and wisdom. It's why there are so many coaches and life coaches and podcasts on these topics like crazy because it's a natural human desire no matter where you are, what generation you've been brought up in, where you were born. It's a natural desire to want to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. What's interesting is because it's such a natural thing for every human, no matter where you're from or when you're born, to desire, you would think we would go to God for this. You would think, it's like, well, if all of us need this, all of us want this, why don't we go to God and get these things? Because God is the one who made us. It would seem to me that he would know how I could be healthy in all areas of life, emotionally, physically, spiritually, sexually, relationally, financially. You would, you would think that God, being who he is, if I wanted to be wealthy, I could go to him and say, God, tell me what you think about money and how I should handle money and what I should do with money, and he would guide me in that. You would think the all-wise God, who's smarter, stronger, more intellectual than anything or anyone, you'd think if we go to him, we would gain wisdom. But it, it seems like everybody wants these things, but the last place we turn to is God himself. You know, it's interesting. Some parts of Christianity make this section their entire focus. There's aspects, parts of Christianity where everything is about if you give enough and serve enough and trust enough and obey enough, you will always be healthy and you can overcome any sickness. There are parts of Christianity that will tell you, tell you if you give enough and serve enough, you're going to be wealthy. You're going to have cash coming out your ears. And you'll always be wise and know exactly what to do, when to do it. There's aspects of Christianity that will focus all on this and ignore this. When the goal, the teaching of the Bible, the purpose of following Christ is for our eyes and focus to be on God. And when we put our hope and trust in God, the maker and creator and the sustainer of all things, when he's our focus, he says, seek me and you'll find me. Seek me with your whole heart. If you seek, you'll find and all these things are given to you as well. He's the focus, we follow him, and when we put our trust in him, he helps us be healthy, helps us understand money, helps us to be wise in making good decisions. So that's where we're gonna focus today. We're actually gonna ask the question, how can followers of Christ be healthy, wealthy, and wise? The Bible answers it in Proverbs chapter three, verses five through 18. So if you have your Bibles, turn them on, open them up. Love for you to follow along with me. We're in this series in 2022 
looking at the entire Bible. We're marching through the entire Bible and picking up all the major themes and teaching of the entire scriptures. And so we've spent time in different sections. And we kind of talked about with you that the Bible is a book that has lots of chapters, but it's more like a library. That this book has different sections in the library that have different genres of teaching. So we spent time in the history section of the Bible, learning the history of Israel. We spent time in the prophetic section of the Bible where we're hearing from God's voice, people are speaking on God's behalf. Now we're getting into the wisdom section of the Bible, which is going to encapsulate the Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. And in looking at these three different books, we're going to learn wisdom. We're calling this series Living Wisdom because we're going to gain wisdom, the Psalms, Give us wisdom for our feelings. It's really a heart focus. It deals with other things too, but it has a lot of heart. The Proverbs, hyper-practical. Hyper-practical. So it's going to give us wisdom on how to walk, how to talk, how to treat people, how to act. And Ecclesiastes goes into the purpose of life and why we're here on planet Earth. So we're going to work throughout the summer through different sections of Proverbs or Psalms or Ecclesiastes to give you a little bit of a sample of the wisdom section of the library together. And we've encouraged you to read the whole Bible. And I know that sounds like a major task. We developed this little guide. If you haven't grabbed one or downloaded one, you should. What's interesting about this little guide it's not to be a companion for our teaching and sermons each week. It's actually written sort of separately for you to guide you as a sort of journey through the entire Bible in manageable reading. So maybe you've already started this, and if you are, we're six months in, so you're kind of halfway there. But here's what's great. If you haven't picked this up yet and haven't downloaded or jumped in, you can and catch up, and it's not that much reading. A little bit of reading each week, you'll get the whole Bible in 2022. And if you started and stopped, pick it up again. Let's get the Bible into us, because because we have the Scriptures in us, it's going to make us whole as followers of Christ. So we're going to jump into Proverbs 3. Are you ready? Let's pray first. God, we need you. We count on you. As we head into the summer, we need you. We count on you. We're so excited that our kids are out of school, mostly. And we're super excited for those who graduate high school, and college, university, graduate from tech school. Very grateful for the change of pace that summer often brings. You are over and above every season of life. And so in this season, we want as a family to live wisely. In this difficult age, with all that's going on in our hearts and minds, we desperately need your help and want you to guide us. So we'll lean in this summer and grow in wisdom. That's our desire. Meet us here, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. So Proverbs 3, book of Proverbs, just a little perspective, is written by King Solomon. King Solomon is the son of the famous King David. He becomes king when he's 20 years old. 
pretty young, and God says to King Solomon, ask me for anything and I'll give it to you. And Solomon asks for wisdom. And God says, I'm gonna give you wisdom and I'm also gonna bless you in incredible ways. And Solomon, as you read his story throughout the Bible, you find incredibly talented, capable person. He's the author of three books of the Bible. Talk about bestseller, right? And he authors a bunch of Proverbs. He's also a songwriter. He wrote a thousand different songs. He's an influencer. People from all over the world came to listen to him. He had servants and gardens and zoos. He was an architect and a builder, and he had tons of cash. The Bible says he had 25 tons of gold every year, which equates to billions in current amount of money. He had so much money that he didn't use silverware, he used goldware, right? So his Keurig machine was made out of gold, and it went into a gold coffee cup. He had so much gold he could use it for anything and make anything out of it. He was rich. He also had hundreds and hundreds of women, which means he had lots and lots and lots of sex. And he says in his teaching that he denied himself no pleasure. Whatever he wanted pleasure-wise, he got, which can I tell you, he had a lot of sex. And this is the guy that writes these Proverbs to help us understand how to be healthy wealthy, and wise. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father loves the son he delights in. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Wisdom's ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. You want to be healthy, wealthy, and wise? Solomon cracks the code right here. And he starts out with these famous words, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he'll make your path straight. Notice what he says. It's one little word. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your ways submit to him. I don't like this proverb. I mean, I would rewrite it, wouldn't you? Trust in the Lord with some of your heart, Joe. Trust in the Lord and in some of your ways submit to God. Because I don't want to do all. Oh, I like that God will forgive me of all my sins, but I certainly don't want to trust him with all because I can't see him. I can't talk to him. I don't understand him. Why would I trust him with all? I'll do some, God. 
I'll follow you with some of my heart, but if I don't understand it, and if it doesn't make sense, if I don't agree with it, I'll do the some, but not all. I'll do the golden rule because that makes sense. I'm going to love people like I want to be loved, but love my enemies? Nah, I'm not taking the all part. I'll do some, and you'll meet me in some, but all? And yet, this is what Solomon says. If we're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, he says, trust God with all your heart. Not some, all. Not a little, all. So we, we could sort of rephrase Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We could say, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own feelings. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding of politics. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and whatever happens in politics, I'll give you peace. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding of guns and gun laws. In all your ways, acknowledge me, and I will protect you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding of sex. In all your ways, submit to me, and I will satisfy your greatest desires. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding of relationships with your husband or your wife or your boss or your enemy. Acknowledge me, submit to me, and I will make your relationships peaceful. Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all. Not some, not what I understand, not what I agree with, not what I like. He says, if you're going to be healthy and wealthy, and wise, trust me with every aspect of your life. He continues. Verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. It's pretty simple, he says. Here's how you become healthy do not be wise in your own eyes. It makes me think of the phrase that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? And so we can kind of agree and disagree with that being true, right? Beauty is in the eyes of the beholder and it's not in the eyes of the beholder, right? We all have our preferences, sort of we like certain kind of music or certain kind of art, yes. But there's something so much bigger and more objective than that so that when you go to the Grand Canyon, every single human goes objectively beautiful. It's not, maybe it's beautiful to me, it's not beautiful to you, no. You see the Sistine Chapel or you hear, you hear Handel's Messiah, you go, that's objectively beautiful. There's things that are bigger than beauty being in the eyes of the beholder, and there's things that are bigger than what I think is wise and smart is my opinion. You do wise and smart on your own. I'll do wise and No. I mean, there's times when I think I've been pretty wise, and I've made some pretty boneheaded decisions, and I've learned I'm not so wise. You've been there? Because wisdom is not in the eye of the beholder. There's decisions we all make that are just plain ignorant, foolish, evil, stupid. And Solomon says, it's not based on your wisdom. 
And I look at our world currently right now and in our culture there are people calling wrong, evil, sinful things right when they are objectively wrong and they are calling things that are true and noble and beautiful wrong when they are objectively right. And Solomon says the answer to this is do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. And it's an interesting statement. It's a statement that's repeated in the Bible a number of times. Fear the Lord. There's a proverb that says, fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when I first hear that, I go, wait, I'm supposed to be scared of God and that's where I'm going to become wise? I'm supposed to be intimidated by God? No, no, no. That's not what fear means in the context. It means having a holy respect having an awe of who God is. When I fear him, I recognize that he is infinite, holy, and pure, and I am finite and impure. A holy awe, a fear of God is recognizing the difference between me and God and saying when I come to decision points, am I going to fear you, follow you, be in awe of you, obey you, or am I going to follow my feelings and myself? So fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, he says. And so he would say, how do you want to be healthy, wealthy, and wise? Fear God. Not be afraid or intimidated. Respect. Have an appreciation and awe for who God is. And when you're at the crossroads of what to do, respect or follow your feelings or respect and follow God, you say, with God's help, I'll follow you, God. I'll trust you. That's the path of wisdom. That's the path of health. That's the path to financial health too. He continues in verse nine, honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth. How do we do that? How do we honor the Lord with our wealth? Well, I think the simplest way is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding of money. In all your ways, acknowledge God's principles and teaching and wisdom on the subject of money and generosity and use his principles, submit to him when you think of using your money. Take your financial plans to him and say, what do you want me to do with your money? Not my money, your money. And I will follow and do that. And Solomon makes this great statement. He says, then your bonds, if you honor God with your money, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. And I think sometimes in Christianity we hear this, that if we do this, it's like a transaction. If I honor you, God, with my money and I give certain money away and I'm generous, then you're going to make me rich. I don't think that's what he's saying. I think what he's saying is that he's going, God's going to give you enough of what you need to overflowing, not all that you ever want to overflowing. There's a difference. And most of us don't get there because we're unwilling to honor God with our money. It's so interesting in the church. We'll give God all our sin, but we say to him, don't touch my money. I'll trust you with my sin, but I'm not trusting you with my bank account. And it's sort of this taboo subject. Instead of going, no, God owns everything. 
And he wants to give me everything I need. But I'm so busy keeping money for myself, hoarding it for myself, spending more on myself that I have, and seeking more for myself. And God's like, that's not honoring me with your money. And that kind of mindset is not submitting to God. So Solomon, interestingly, in this passage at verse 13, he says, blessed are those who find wisdom He doesn't say blessed are those who find wealth. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain money. No, gain wisdom. For wisdom is more profitable than silver and yields a better return than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. But we get this all wrong. We make it all about Money. You want to be healthy, wealthy, and wise? You honor God with your money. It's yours, God. Everything I have is yours. You take my sin, take my money too. It's all yours. Take my life, take my gifts, take my talent, take my time, everything I've got, my struggles, my anxieties, my fears, everything. I trust him with all of me. The good, the bad, the ugly, the money, the stress, the sin, everything is yours. I trust you and I will use everything for your glory. And it's so interesting because God entrusts money in my hand and I hold on to it super tight. But then I say to him, give me more. Where is he going to put it? Because I'm so busy holding on tightly with it. The Bible teaches this over and over. If you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful in much. But we haven't been faithful with little and we think he's going to give us much. It's like, I'm not giving that to you, you bozo. You'll botch that too. I mean, seriously, instead of going, everything I have is yours, it's yours. Use it for whatever you want. I will be generous and give and serve other people and help the poor and the unjust. And I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. Instead of chasing more money, I'm going to chase wisdom. I'm going to honor you with my money. And then holy cats, he's going to take care of you in every way and entrust you with more so that you can do more. The last part is the hardest. Are you ready? Buckle up, because everything up to now has been easy. Verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Solomon says, do not despise the Lord's discipline. And you might be thinking, and this is why I'm afraid of God, right? Because God's going to discipline me? What does that mean? Does that mean if I step out of line and I do something wrong, he's going to throw lightning bolts at me or an earthquake or some plague? or what, what, How's this going to happen? That's not what discipline means. Discipline is correction. Like a parent corrects their child, God is going to correct you, his son, his daughter, But the struggle is we've all had earthly parents who haven't necessarily disciplined us well. And so you came home from school one day and your dad had a bad day at the office and flew off the handle and threw you across the room. So when you hear God disciplines his children, you assume that's what it's going to look like, that God is going to be some kind of angry, emotional, unjust being who's going to throw lightning bolts at you when you make one little mistake. But that's not what the Bible teaches whatsoever. The Bible teaches that God is perfectly loving, perfectly just, 
perfectly self-controlled. And he disciplines us, corrects us for our benefit and for our good. He loves us so much that if you want to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, you embrace God's correction. Skip a line. You embrace God's correction, and I know that's hard. You know why? Because I'm the only one in the room that's a perfectionist. I don't like to be corrected, do you? I don't like someone telling me I got it wrong. You put a comma in the wrong place. No, I didn't. I guess a comma. What are you getting upset about? Right? And if that's true about some little tiny thing, what about some big things that we get wrong? As if you haven't made oodles of mistakes. To be alive means you're making mistakes all the time and failing and falling all the time. But we don't want to be corrected or disciplined, do we? We don't really have an appetite for it. But God loves us so much as his sons and daughters that he corrects us and he disciplines us for our own good. Can you imagine if he didn't? Oh, that porn addiction you have is so cute. I'm going to get you a trophy and give you a hug. Seriously? You slandered, you gossip, you racist. You did all of these things wrong and God's going to give you a trophy and a hug and say, I hope you feel good about yourself. That's not love. You mistreat your wife. You broke confidence with your boss. What is he supposed to do? Just look the other way and say it's okay? No, here's where God loves us so much that he disciplines us. And what it looks like is this. You cheated on a test or you didn't do your homework assignment. He forgives you, but you're going to detention. You did something criminal. Now you pay the fine or you do the time. That's God's love and discipline. He's trying to train you. You're following this feeling that you know is wrong and you know is sinful. And it's bringing darkness and shame into your life and you're asking God to bless you. Instead, he's allowing the shame to come into your life to say, you're on a dark and dirty road. What are you doing? Turn around. I love you too much to leave you go down that road. He corrects. He disciplines. We're moving in a direction. We're ignoring him. We're rebelling against him. He loves us too much to not use whatever it takes to stop us in our tracks. And his toolbox is pretty big, if you didn't know. He will use pain. He will use suffering. He will use sickness. He will use jobs. He will use money. He will use people. He will use the loss of relationship, the loss of influence, the loss of peace, the loss of life. He will use loss and pain to stop us in our tracks and say, I love you too much to watch you, my son, my daughter, go down that road. And I hate it. I don't like it. I don't like preaching it. I don't like it for myself. But here's what I find hope in. I look at really great athletes. I look at really incredible artists. And I see that the way they become incredible athletes and incredible artists is they embrace 
discipline and correction because they wouldn't become great as an athlete or an artist without discipline and correction. And so God wants us to be his great sons and daughters and wants to do incredible things through you and me in this world to love and innovate and bring justice and goodness, which means he's going to correct us and challenge us and put obstacles in front of us to cause us to stop and to look up and say, I trust you, God, I'm sorry. He uses a tool bag that's pretty big to get his sons and daughters' attention because he loves us. And yes, he forgives us. Yes, there's no condemnation, but he's not in the business of you and me wasting our lives, going down dark trails, wrong things. He wants our attention to use us and to teach us. And David teaches me about this in Psalm 139. You know, it's one thing to want correction. It's another to accept correction. But here David seeks discipline and correction. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Why does he say that? Because so many times our hearts are duplicitous. We don't even know our own hearts. So he says to the God of the universe, search me, O God, and know my heart because I don't even know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, I welcome you to come and examine and correct and discipline me. Because I know I don't know myself and I trust you, so help me, show me, guide me, lead me, redirect me, realign me, transform me. It's embrace his discipline because he's so loving and kind. And wouldn't it be great to back up from this? If we want to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, if we just trust God with everything, easy. We just fear God above everything else. If we just honor God with our money and we embrace God's correction, everything will go great. And wouldn't it be great on June 12th to sort of download all this into our motherboards and be like, we're walk out of here and we go, we got this, I'm healthy, wealthy, and wise the rest of the year, right? Is that how it works for you? It doesn't work for me. I can look at this and go, yep, yep, that's right, I agree. And then nothing changes. What's up with that? And it's like, I look at this and it's so desperately what I want but it feels elusive so many times. God will never ask me to do something he won't enable me to do. And so I take all of this and I say, God, I don't trust you with my whole heart. I don't honor you with my money. I don't fear you above everyone else. I fear what people think of me. I don't embrace your correction. Would you help me? Because I can't do this by myself, but you can help me. And when you ask God to help you with these things, his answer is always yes. I will help you. I will empower you. I will strengthen you to trust and fear and honor and embrace. But we can all just ignore all this and just go find a really upbeat podcast that's going to get us all jacked up and excited and we'll be great for a month and then we'll fall on our face again. We'll go find some transcendental meditation to make all this happen and we'll ignore the fact that the God of the universe made you and loves you and wants you and says I'll help you with this stuff if you'll come to me. And I've struggled with this like you struggle with this. And there's times I've prayed to God and said, help me honor you with my money. I got myself really sideways the first 10 years of my marriage with money. Maybe you've been there. 
It's like I had kids really fast and diapers are really expensive and that credit card is so easy to swipe and racked up tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt and it made me feel like an incomplete loser and the weight and shame of debt. And I prayed to God, help me to use my money correctly. And how many times I cut up my credit cards and threw them away and expected the change. I invited God into the problem, but I still wasn't changing. And you know what it took? It took me talking to a friend and confessing to my friend and not only accepting God's correction, accepting the correction of a friend who said, how you're living, you need coaching. You need a financial coach not for your future, for your present. And you need to actually listen to everything they say. And over a period of time, my wife and I got out of credit card debt and it feels incredible with God's help and the help of another human being. Maybe you're stuck in an incredible mess where you're so far from healthy, wealthy, and wise. Yes, welcome God into that. Ask him for his help. But maybe it's time to ask another person to help you too. And if you ask another person, just like when you ask God, are you going to listen to what they say? Or you're going, I got this. Well, really, you got it, and that's why you're not healthy, you're not wealthy, and you're not wise. Maybe it's time to say, God, I need your help, and I need some coaching, and I need to pay attention to what someone else says and listen to what someone else says because the way I'm doing it is getting me sideways over and over and over again. Sometimes the reason you're sideways is because you're asking God to bless something that's sinful and he won't. He loves you, he forgives you, but he will not bless our sinful actions. Maybe you're sideways because you're asking God for help, but you haven't asked another person for help and then actually listen to what they said. And I think these things help us if we're humble. And so I want to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and I need God's help. I want to do the right thing, and I need my friends to help me. And maybe for you, you don't have someone you can trust. That's what the church of Jesus Christ is for. That's why we say to you, go to prayer works. That's why we ask you to chat up online or to call the church office because maybe you don't have someone you can trust with what you're struggling with and ways you're not healthy. Well, then ask for help. We'll help you. We'll come alongside you. We'll encourage you. But are you going to listen? There's sometimes as a pastor and a shepherd, we write prescriptions for you to grow and change, but you throw the prescription out and wonder why the infection is getting worse. God wants to help you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants you to be wise and make good decisions. He comes alongside you. He will never condemn you or shame you, but he sometimes corrects you and gives you corrective advice that you don't want to hear. And even in that moment, are you going to be humble or are you going to do your own thing and then wonder why he's not feels like he's not present. So lean into this stuff with me. You're not alone. I struggle with this too. We can do this together with the Lord's help and with the help of the family of God. We can be wiser. Let's pray together. God, would you help us? Would you humble us? Would you show us that we've chased after gurus and we have a stack of self-help books at home? Listen to oodles of podcasts life coaches, pastors, but we find ourselves stuck maybe because we haven't just come to you. May we come to you with our problems and our pain, 
our financial struggles and our addictions, our poor decisions and our defensive personalities. May we bring everything to you. May we fear you, trust you, honor you, embrace your correction. God, would you help us to listen to our sponsors at AA? Would you help us to find a therapist or a counselor and then listen to them? Would you help us to listen to our small group leader or our mentor? Would you help us to find a doctor and follow through on a health program, a psychiatrist or a psychologist that can help get us unstuck? Forgive us because we want to change, but we don't want to do the work because we're proud. Humble us grow us and change us in our marriages, in our relationships, in every aspect of our lives to the end that you would use your sons and daughters to do more in this world, to bring about innovation and goodness and love and peace and justice. We want to live wisely. You can help us. We trust you. 